0: was puny. It's great to be in God's house, amen? amen. All right. <clears throat> I, uh, I coach football, and uh, occasionally, you know, if you look at the scoreboard and your team is down, you can, you can feel it on the sidelines. It's like quiet. And so guys will turn around and say, come on, we got to make noise, we got to make noise. So we're on the sidelines come on, we got to make noise, we got to make noise. <laughs> all right, we're not down, by the way, we're up, and uh, we win, so that's all good. <clears throat> uh, it's good to be here. I, uh, I spend most of my Sundays at the Gladstone campus. I'm occasionally in southeast, and I'm occasionally here, so it's good to be here. Uh, my wife, Kim, is over here, if you haven't met uh, my wife, uh, and I, uh, I'm, I'm Pastor Dave. <laughs> And uh, this is amazing, because we are, we're moving into 2024. And it was interesting, because we prayed pre-service back in the office area, and uh, Pastor Matt was here this morning, and I think he might be roaming around still out in the uh, lobby, Uh, and then he's getting on the road, because Alex Hayes and Mary are marrying today, they're going to be wed today, and so Pastor Dennis and Jill and family are up up on the mountain, and we'll be heading up there in a little while, but... Uh, Matt's in the wedding, so he's making his way up there sooner. Anyway, uh, as he was praying for the service this morning with us, I found myself, he, he, he prayed, you know, about 2024. And I thought, oh, 2024. Well, we started in 2004. And so this is where my mind went during prayer. So it doesn't always happen this way. Most of the time I'm in agreement with prayer. But sometimes, you know, the mind, anybody have drift, prayer drift? Okay, good. I'm not alone. <laughs> anybody ever have sermon drift? <laughs> i'm watching you <laughs> uh, so here's where my brain went 2024 uh, we started in 2004 that's 20 years so we're moving into our 20 years 20 years i'm 59 years old i was 39 39 years old what were we doing <laughs> matthew was 14 years old you know jonathan was 12 and, like, Olivia was nine, and now they're all, you know, every one of our family members has married, and there's kids and kids in the oven, and it's just, well, I mean, kids in the womb being, yeah, anyway. So then I, so when I, when I came to, you know, came out of that little trance I was in, he was saying amen, <laughs> and I said, amen. And I said, hey, by the way, did we pray for the other two campuses? <laughs> Everybody like, looked at me like, where were you? I said, I was in the zone over there. Anyway, so we're moving into our 20th year, and that's exciting. That's exciting. We started in our living room in August. I, by the way, Matthew was the first paid employee of Hillside Christian Fellowship. I paid him $10 that first year. Sunday to help me carry furniture from the living room and the dining room into the garage, and then set up. We set up forty-four chairs, and uh, that very first Sunday, and he, and we had only leaked it out in our neighborhood. I mean, it was like uh, the Shafers were with us. They they had you know from day one. They're like, we want to help and plant the church with you. And so Charlie and Linda and their family, and uh, so we just told some of our neighbors, and that very first Sunday, uh, we had thirty-four people in our house for service it was pretty exciting and um, I led worship that was less exciting (laughs) Uh, Brian and Teresa Seiler were neighbors of ours and they they helped and so Brian said I I can play a guitar but um, I've just come through cancer treatment I'm cancer free he said but I have no feeling in my fingers (laughs) (laughs) So Brian on the guitar. Anyway, so Teresa came in and she saved everything and she sang and that was really, really good. But it was amazing. And I was serving at that time uh, on the uh, advisory board and the site council at Sunnyside Elementary School, also Sunrise Middle School, which was called back in the day, and Clackamas High School. So I served with the principal uh, at all three schools uh, in that capacity as a volunteer. And (laughs) I remember going to one of our site council meetings, and Dr. Lockman, who was the principal, the then principal at Sunnyside Elementary School, she says, what is this business I hear? You're starting a church. And I said, well, we've already started. And she said, in a, she's just broadcasting this with the others in the room there, and you know we're having this private conversation that's not so private. And uh, she says, well, I think that's great. What would it take to have your church meet in our school? <laughs> I said, just an invitation, and she says, well, I think I just made that. And she said, here's the good news. She says, you know, you guys already do so many projects. You've painted our gymnasium. You've done a number of things here, and you were doing that with your youth group from your former church and some other volunteers and so forth. She said, what if we didn't charge you any money? I said, "Uh, you got my attention. (laughs) She says, Well, I have a little bit of clout in the district. She says, So if you didn't have to pay rent, but you kind of scratched our back by doing some projects, and then we kind of scratch your back by giving you free rent, and you can use all our chairs and all of our stuff. I was like, Hallelujah. (laughs) Hey, it, it was amazing. For the first three and a half years, we never paid rent. It was amazing. So finally, at the district level, um, oh, this is on film, so if you're North Clackamas School District watching this, we don't know you any money. Um, anyway, <laughs> at a district level, the, the, the guy who was over all facilities, he, he calls me on the phone one day, and he says, Hey, do you think we can have a meeting? I said, Yeah, I'd, I'd love to have a meeting. He says, Well, you know, it's probably time that maybe your church started paying rent. Uh, and he goes, I, I really want to, you know, be careful uh, and talk with you about it. And I was like, yeah, I mean, sure, that'd be great. So I go and have a meeting. Well, he was retiring. (laughs) He says, I have one piece of unfinished business uh, on my desk, and it's the fact that you guys aren't paying any rent. He says, so could, could we just charge you rent for the hour to two hours that you use on Sunday morning? He said, you won't have to pay rent for when you set up. You can store some of your stuff in our closets. And he's, like, making all these exceptions. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And it was just God's blessing, and it was just amazing. And here we are. 20 years later, coming this August, but 20 years later, and we're not setting up and tearing down, so if you were part of those crews, can someone say amen? <laughs> Maybe someday in the future if we plan another church, but uh, it's just been good. It's just been amazing, and so um, that's not part of today's, even though today is Vision Sunday, and it's always good to have an understanding of where you started because it also gives you a picture of where you're headed, headed. And uh, but I will say that we uh, we, we launched in August, but we, we started in June. Kim and I began to pray. We were asking the Lord what should the name of the church be. And I was working on, you know, what's our purpose, what's our vision, what's our mission, how are we going to, you know, invite people to go on a journey with us. you, you got to say, well, this is where we're headed. And uh, so we came up with a purpose statement. And uh, our, our, well, first we came up with a motto, family, friends, and community. That was our, our initial motto, and that's, that's changed Um, uh, Loving God, loving people, and serving others But um, we came up with our purpose statement And our purpose statement really hasn't changed in 20 years And it'll come up on the screen here But it says Hillside Christian Fellowship exists to lead people In a growing relationship with Jesus Christ Both showing and sharing their faith Both showing and sharing their faith How many of you remember going to grade school? Remember grade school? Remember grade school like when you were in first and second grade? And wasn't one of the best days when you had show and tell? Come on, yeah, you remember? You got to bring something to school and you got to tell people about, what well, this, this is my stuffed animal. <laughs> you know, like Matthew, if he took his stuffed animal when he was a kid, he had a, he had a little uh, bear and his name was Cuddly Red Brown Bear Dog bear dog, because we didn't know if it was a bear or a dog, but so he's cuddly red brown bear dog, you know, and so he'd be able to tell his little, you know, hey, he sleeps with me at night, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I remember, show and tell, and so that's kind of what our, that's kind of where we are with our faith, right? It's not just, uh, it's not just show and tell, but it's also go and tell, right? We got to, we got to go and tell, and so that's, we incorporated that idea in our purpose statement. And annually at our new year, the pastoral team, our eldership, our church council, we, we want to share kind of a vision thought for the year and a theme for the coming year. And so here's, here's just vision thought. Uh, I want you to look around the room today. I know last week, you know, there were a lot of people and then you, the people heard that I was going to be here, so they, they went and stayed home. But there, <laughs> there, there's, there's empty chairs, right? The scripture says in the in the parable in Luke chapter 14 of the great banquet, uh, this will be a familiar parable for most of us, but a, a man had a great banquet, and he said, go and get, it's ready, so go get the invited guests. And so the servants went out to the invited guests, and all of the invited guests began to make a, excuses. You know, it's like when you're invited to that family member's house for a meal, and you're like, hmm, I don't really want to go. <laughs> and so you come up with an excuse. Well... Hey, doc, can I get an appointment on such and such? So you tell them, I have a doctor's appointment on that day. I can't come. Anyway, and it's a Sunday or something, and you're like, (laughs) anyway. Uh, So they made up excuses why they couldn't come. And so they came back, and they said, well, everybody's not able to be there. And so he, he says, well, go invite the lame and the maim and the blind and the sick. And he says, well, they're already here. We've invited them. Which, by the way, that's, you know, a type of the church, and so lame, maimed, blind, and sick, you can look at your neighbor and say, hmm, (laughs) which one of these are you? Uh, But then he says, and he compels them, go to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be full. And I would like us to think in 2024, in the same mindset of the Father. Go to the obscure places. Go where you came from, lame, maimed, blind, and sick, but go out to the highways and the hedges that may be out of your jurisdiction, maybe out of your normalcy. You know, like, well, okay, I get my gas at 76. Maybe I'll choose to go down to Quick Mart and get gas and meet someone new and invite them to church strike up a conversation, develop a relationship, maybe go there the next week, the next week, the next week, and develop, just kind of begin to think bigger. For what purpose? That his house would be full. How exciting will it be when every seat in this room is full and then the overflow room begins to get full and we have to prayerfully consider, do we start a second service? Can I get an amen? Amen. Can I get a bigger amen? Amen. Yeah, because that's what it's about. That's, that is what it is about. So just thinking this way, vision, thought for 2024, fill the houses. So we have three fellowships, Southeast Campus, Gladstone Campus, the Sunnyside Campus, and we would love to see the houses full. If you were there on the 16th of December at the Southeast Campus at 6 o'clock at night, you were also panicking with all of us because what we expected to have 100 guests, we had 260. And I think, John, you, I think you counted 99 downstairs and like 110 upstairs or something, and there were still people standing at the door trying to get in. It was, it was organized chaos at about 40 volunteers from hillside campuses Ended up, we, we had food for 120 people. It was a true loaves and fishes moment. I mean, well, we did send Matthew to get, you know, Safeway chicken, and they gave us a great deal. The guy just kept throwing chicken in there. He's like, we're not even weighing this stuff. <laughs> it was great. But anyway, I mean, it was amazing. We fed 250 people. We set up a buffet line downstairs that there was no room for a buffet table. We were using card tables. And we're setting trays, we're like, okay, make a line, this will work. And there was no room, but I mean, people were just, because people wanted food. And it was just, I mean, it was amazing. The house was full. That's exciting. I mean, that's energizing, right? They say a crowd begets a crowd. Well, here's what I'm saying to all of us. 2024, that the houses may be filled. Fill the houses. That's our prayer. God, fill your houses. And he's going to do that through ordinary people like you and me. Can I get an amen? Amen. Are you a candidate to be a part of that? Raise your hand if you're a candidate to be a part of that. Yeah. You say, hey, I'm going to invite some people to come to church. Come on. (laughs) Come on, people. We've got to make some noise. (laughs) Come on. Yeah, amen. All right. Uh, You can find that. You can find the uh, parable of the great banquet, Luke chapter Fourteen verses, fifteen through twenty-four. That key verses, uh, verse twenty-three. That my house may be filled. Our twenty twenty-four theme. Um, you know, twenty twenty-three was advance, and some of the things that we set out to advance in, we we did. We made tremendous progress. We have a staircase now in our pole barn. Thanks, Paul. It was amazing. Um, Great things happening. And we don't ta- I don't have time today to talk about all the advancements that we've made. But, I mean, just great advancements. And normally we have just a single word. In fact, when God called me into the ministry, it was the word more. It Just more, more. I just kept hearing that. I'm like, I can't give anymore. I'm downtown three nights a week and I'm serving, kids, or serving homeless on Saturdays. Lord, what am I supposed to do? He said, not more of you, more like you. Duplicate yourself. And I remember the first downtown outreach I had with students. And there were about 15 students there, and God spoke to me more. He, that's what he said, not more, not more from you, but more like you. And we had these kids passing <laughs> meals out and giving people. They are like, hey, can we, have you had breakfast this morning? Can we give you a meal in the name of Jesus? Can we pray for you? And here these teenagers just laying hands on homeless folks on the streets of Portland, praying and believing God for miracles. We saw miracles. It's miracle stuff. That's what we're believing. We're believing. So. Single words. Well, this year we get three words. Three words, and we're going to add some verbs to them. But uh, the words are deeper, closer, and further. Our text from the Scripture is Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. So we're going to add some verbs to that. Going deeper, drawing closer, and reaching further. And we want this for all of us individually, and we want this for all of us collectively. So let's let's expound on this idea. Let's read Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. And again, for many of you students of the Word of God, this will be a familiar portion of Scripture. And I would encourage you, you might even find a sermon online by a guy by the name of... Leonard Ravenhill, anybody know who Leonard Ravenhill, yeah, there's a handful of us know. Leonard Ravenhill was one fired up guy and he was inspired by the Spirit of God to be a cattle prod to the church, to get on mission. And probably one of the most powerful messages I've ever heard from Leonard Ravenhill or read of his was out of Isaiah chapter 6 and it's it's this he uses the words woe, low and go and those were his three points and so that's really our three points for really our theme this year I'm like okay he's on he was spot-on and so Isaiah chapter 6 verses 1 through 9 in the year that King Uzziah died I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple For I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Lo, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away. And your sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, or here am I, send me. And he said, go and tell this people. Go. And there was a message for the children of Israel by the prophet Isaiah, and we won't get into the details, although it is probably one of the greatest books contained in the 66 books of the Bible. It is 66 chapters. It is legitimately a blueprint of the entirety of the Bible. If you are a student and you study it out, it is absolutely an amazing book. You know, the first 39 chapters are in one specific... Mode and then the last 27 chapters, I mean, it legitimately is like the Old Testament and the New Testament, and it blueprints the Word of God. It's beautiful, beautiful. So I encourage you in your time of study, maybe you would do that. But let's dig into these three thoughts, going deeper, uh, drawing closer, and reaching further. Going deeper. And when I think about going deeper, I'm a science guy, and I'm a science geek, and I love things that are in the cosmos, so out, and it's like, We're going from one place, and this is an upward vision, and so we're like looking out into outer space, or rather inner space, or rather from the natural to the supernatural. It's this idea of becoming more kingdom-minded. Probably sitting in this room, you are already kingdom-minded. You're already thinking about the things of God. On a daily basis, you're contemplating how this would impact people, or this is, you know, how I live, or how I'm driving on the freeway, or, you know, whatever it looks like in your day-to-day, how you wake up in the morning, and maybe you get on your knees on the side of your bed, and you pray, or you go downstairs, and you sip coffee while you're reading God's Word, and reading a devotional book, or whatever it looks like you're processing kingdom-wise. Maybe it's in your giving, as Reuben was sharing, just about generosity and making that a priority, and we believe that that should be a priority in our life, the generosity, because our God is generous. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so, however that is, becoming more kingdom-minded. If you're a candidate to be more kingdom-minded this year, would you just raise your hand and let me know that you're with me? Okay, I've got about 22 of you in the room. (laughs) Okay, the rest of you, come on now. (laughs) All right. All right. This vision that Isaiah has, it is an upward vision and it is a vision of height, seeing God as he is. Verse 1 says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. I've heard many people who have taught on this portion of Scripture. And Isaiah, as a prophet to the King Uzziah, looked up to Uzziah because Uzziah was a good king. He was a good king. And some have maybe made the suggestion that King Uzziah may have even been semi-idolized by Isaiah. And it was when that idolized Uzziah was removed that he had a clearer vision of who God is. Now, that's conjecture, and I don't know that, but it certainly could be real for you and I. How many times have you and I had things in the way, and it hinders Our ability to clearly see the Lord in light of who he is. Because when we see him as he is, we have a reflection of who we are in light of that as well. And so upward, high and lifted up. And he responds, verse 5, woe am I or woe is me for my eyes have seen the king. So let's purpose... To go deeper in 2024, let's purpose to become more kingdom-minded. And so, going deeper. Here's just three thoughts about going deeper. Going deeper, becoming more of a seeker of the Lord. Isaiah 55 reminds us in verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Seek the Lord. Let's seek the Lord individually and let's seek the Lord collectively and let's talk to God when I first got saved I got turned on to music by a band called undercover undercover was a alternative punk Christian band and they one of their songs was talk to God and I think that were the those were the only lyrics in the song talk to God talk to God let's talk to God, talk to God. I mean, that was it. But I remember, I'm driving down the road going, talk to God, talk to God, singing with these guys Um, on my cassette tape inside the cassette player in my car. (laughs) Eight-track tape player, no, I'm just kidding. Um, Hey, let's, let's make some stronger priorities in 2024. I would invite you to just write a couple of thoughts down making Sunday morning studies a priority, a higher priority. Now, you're here, and I'm looking across, and every time I'm here, I think I see most of you here, if not all of you. But the average attendance for the evangelical Christian in America today versus 1950, it's half. In 1950, it was about 52 Sundays a year. How many Sundays are in a year? not even about 52 it's just 52 and 52 it was like you know it was like 51.9 that's you know how people went to church when they went on vacation they found a church in the community that they were vacationing and they went to church that's what they did if you were a believer you went to church today it's 26 well that's part time christianity You know and I know that the Scripture says in Hebrews, let us not forsake the gathering together of the saints, as is the custom of some. Even more so as we see the day approaching. We shouldn't be decreasing how much we gather together. We should actually be increasing. Can I get an amen? Amen. How about, you know, Sundays? Yes, priority, Bible study, worship, gathering, prayer, all those pieces. But how about midweek? You know, if we have an average attendance at each campus of 100 to 120 people or 80 to 100 or whatever it is, if our midweek drops down to 30, now I know some are going to life groups. If we take the cumulative total and we say, well, okay, in the fellowship, if our fellowship is, you know, 350 to 400 people, whatever the number is, but only 200 are engaged midweek, I'm saying, hey, folks, let's get involved. Let's make it a priority to connect. We used to, I mean, when Kim and I first got saved and we got... You know, we were dating. Even when we were dating, we, part of our dating was going to church together. <laughs> that was a cheap date. <laughs> That's good times. But we always would go out afterwards, you know, and get, you know, pie and ice cream. Or I'd get pie and ice cream and she'd watch me eat it. But anyway, uh, all that to be said, it was a priority. When, when we got married, it was a priority. By the way, when we got married, we both had already been tithing. And so we decided that we were going to tithe, even if we couldn't afford to tithe, you know what I'm saying? Like there was more bill at the end of the month than there was month at the end of the bills. And, but we would, we, we actually paid bills on credit cards to make sure that our tithe was given because we wanted to make that a priority. That was because God says so. And he said, he'll bless. He said, try me now in this. So so we said, okay, we're going to try you. And he's faithful. Hello. You can tell I haven't missed very many meals. (laughs) Thanks be to God. We made church a priority. Church was a priority we went to church sunday morning sunday evening wednesday or tuesday night for the young adult bible study yeah it it was a priority it's like post-covid the culture has shifted even in the church well the last time i checked society isn't supposed to be driving the culture of the church the church is supposed to be driving the culture of society we're gonna make a noise yes I'm gonna be in trouble I can already tell I told the worship team to flag me at like 11:15. 15 they told me the clock was slow up on the wall I said great I get an extra five minutes they said no we're using our cell phones okay well I'll, I'll move a little quicker here so making midweek Bible study also or life groups a priority going deeper becoming more of a student of the Word of God Becoming more a student of the Word of God. Making devotions, maybe daily devotions, but just making devotions or regular devotion time with God and His Word a priority, a greater priority in our lives. Making prayer a greater priority. How about reviewing notes? You know, if if you take notes on a Sunday morning or you take photos to, to review your notes, do you know that they say... That if you take notes in a class as a student, like I remember at uh, Portland State University when I was uh, studying there, I was taking a biology class. I, I, mean, I took prolific notes. When it came time to study for a test, my notes were so prolific that if I memorized my notes, I got an A on the test. Well, in order to memorize the notes, I had to go through the notes. Right? What if we were going through the notes... Of our Bible studies. They say if you read through them one time after a live feed, your retention level goes up by like 40%. Now, I'm making that statistic up on the spot because they say 87% of statistics are made up on the spot. <laughs> but it's a, an extremely high number. It's an extremely high number. So if you go through it a second time or a third time, it sticks like glue. It sticks like glue. When I read scientific journals, I read them two, three, four, five times. Because there's content in there that I want to retain. And in order to find understanding, here's how I describe understanding. When you understand something, it means you're prepared to explain it to somebody else. How many of us have had something explained to us and we're like, I don't want to be embarrassed and think that, I don't want them to think I'm stupid. So I go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You walk away and go, I have absolutely no idea what they just said to me. (laughs) Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Yes. Anyway, I mean, it's, it, we do that. But we shouldn't do that. We should say, wait, I don't get it. Explain it again. Explain it again. And when you finally get it and you have the aha moment, you're like, oh, oh this is epic. Now you can tell someone else. And then they say, I don't get it. And you can say, well, let me explain it. And you can give it a different direction or you can explain it a different way. And because you understand, you can show all the angles. That's I want to digest God's word that way as well so that I'm well-equipped and have understanding of who God is and who his character is and fall deeper in love with him. So, becoming a better or a more of a student of God's word. Going deeper, becoming more of a spreader of the gospel. How many of us would love to see our unsaved friends, associates, neighbors come to Jesus? You know why God has you where you are? To be the salt and light. To tell them, Go and tell. Go and tell. It means you, got to, you have to get uncomfortable. But the more you get uncomfortable spreading the gospel, the more comfortable you become spreading the gospel. Remember, remember the story of Johnny Appleseed who, you know, went across the United States broadcasting the seed? He, he had a sack, and it was seed, and it was good seed. And he'd put his hand in there, and he'd pick up a whole handful of seeds, and he would just do this, and he'd broadcast it. And some of those seeds would fall on good soil, and it would produce an apple-bearing tree, right? The the fruit of an apple seed is not a tree. It's an apple-bearing tree that produces apples that will produce more apple-bearing trees, right? The good seed that's in you reproduces when it produces another follower of Jesus who will... Share the gospel and make more disciples of Jesus. In church, when we say things like, uh, When was the last time you shared your faith? Um, Have you ever led someone to Christ? Have you ever prayed with someone to receive Jesus or to be a part of someone's coming to faith? We shouldn't like shrink back. Well, I hope he doesn't direct that question towards me. I hope I don't actually have to give an answer to that question. We shouldn't shrink away from that because it would. How epic would it be? If, like, yeah, I mean, it happens all the time. Yes, would you be? Uh, would, that'd be exciting. I mean, I remember when I got, first got saved. Three weeks later, I'm telling three football players, college football players, one that went on to Tulsa, Oklahoma, one that went to uh, Cal Berkeley, and one that went to Cal State Fullerton, these guys are sitting in my room, big lugs, eating lunch, and I'm like, guess what happened to me? I gave my heart to Jesus. I'm not going to the parties on Friday night anymore, you probably noticed, and I'm not buying your beer anymore, because I could buy beer, because I could change my driver's license with a little, little yellow piece of chalk, and draw zero, and cover the four It made me 21, I had a little facial hair, going, I'd buy, I was buying everybody's beer, I'm like, you're going to have to get in from somewhere else. I'm not doing it anymore. Jesus came into my life. One of those guys came up to me after, and he goes, bro, I only know one other person on the planet who's done what you've done. I said, really? I said, who? And he goes, my sister. I go to Bible study that Tuesday night. This girl, 300 young adults, she comes running across the room because I'm the biggest guy in the room. She comes running across the room and she goes, Do you play football at Golden West Junior College? I said, Well, as a matter of fact, I do. She goes, You know my brother? I go, I do. She goes, Yeah, Mark Long. She says, We have to pray for Mark right now that he'll come to church next Tuesday. I'm like, Okay. She grabs my hand. She just starts praying. Yes, yeah, amen, amen. I mean, I've only known Jesus for three weeks. Guess what happened next Tuesday night? Not only did Mark come to church, but the other guy that was sitting next to him, his name was Chris Meinhardt. Chris Meinhardt came to church too. When the altar call was made, Mark raised his hand. He went forward, gave his heart to Jesus that night. We went to Coco's after to have pie and ice cream. It's what we do in the church world. <laughs> Everything is better a la mode. Anyway, Chris looks across and he says, I wanted to raise my hand. Is it too late? (laughs) I said, no, it's not too late. Follow me in prayer. Now, I had heard the prayer of salvation just a handful of times. I didn't know what to pray, but I knew I was a sinner. I needed God to forgive my sin. I needed to put my hope and faith in Christ and confess him. And so we prayed around the table, and Chris gave his heart to the Lord, and I got to be a part of it. And the Spirit of God came in, it just like in me, just stirred me up. And He said, the, the high that I had being involved in someone putting their hope and faith in Christ and their eternity, they went from death to life, they were destined to hell, and now they're going to heaven, and their name is written in His book. I was so jacked up on the inside, I thought, I will never need to drink beer again in my life. It's a game changer. And how epic if all of us had the opportunity, which we do, to be a part of that. Yes, so that's going deeper. Being a seeker of the Lord, a student of the word, and a spreader of the gospel. Amen. 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 Page four. (laughs) In two minutes. Page four, five, and six. (laughs) Not having it. Okay, drawing closer. It's an inward vision, a vision of depth. Seeing myself in light of who God is. So when I see God who he is, I have a revelation of who I am. My sin separates me from God. That's what Isaiah reminds us. I'm a sinner saved by grace through faith. But here's what he says. Verse 5, I am a man of unclean lips. But then verse 6, the second part, he says, Lo, this has touched your lips and your iniquity is taken away. And your sin is purged. Come on. That's the work of God. And only God. Only God can do that. And boy, I'll tell you, sinner saved from grace. Therefore, my sin no longer separates me. There's not a chasm between me and God. I can draw nearer to God. Are you a candidate today to be nearer to God? Raise your hand if you're a candidate to be nearer God. Yeah. I mean, come on. He says, draw near to me and... I will draw near to you. Do you remember the game, Mother? May I? (laughs) This is also grade school. We're standing. Mother, may I take one small step? Well, we take one small step. Guess what God's doing? God's like, it's Father. May I? And I'm taking one giant step toward. You know, God. I mean, when He says draw near to Me, I'll draw near to you. He's got a bigger step or stride than you do. You maybe take baby step. He's like. I saw that, kaboom, and he gets close. One of my grandkids, (laughs) my my wife does everything for the grandkids, but this one little boy, I'm telling you, Mason is great, uh, Olivia and Wesley's little boy. If I walk in the door, it pops everything. (laughs) It's like he runs right past her. She could be in front of me. And he's all pops. And he runs right by her. Like she's all, I feed you. I do all this. And you pops. He does nothing. He sits in, on the lap. And I'm getting the pew pew. Mariah's telling me, speed up. Uh, and he sits on my lap. And when I see him coming, man, I'm, I, I can't wait to get down at his level and gobble him up because I see his desire. And I think that's how God is. He sees our desire and he moves in. He scoops up. He sits on his lap and brings him in close. And then we look up and get eyes. I mean, don't the eyes say everything? Ah, so good. So, drawing closer. Three thoughts. I'll go quickly. Drawing closer, aligning with God's word through greater obedience. Let's obey the word of God. Let's be like Abraham in Genesis 22. God said, take thy son, thy only son, and immediately he responded. Now, if you read the 10 chapters before that from 12 to 22, you got six different types of obedience that he has. Delayed obedience, deferred obedience. I mean, he's got all these different types of obedience. I mean, some of his obedience took him like 15 years to get it. Anybody identify with Abraham? How about we respond quicker? And that's the second one drawing closer, adhering to God's Spirit through quicker responses. When God the Spirit says, do this or don't do this, how about we do this or don't do this immediately? Or you read God's Word and you realize, hmm, I should be more engaged in this, right? Like the Great Commission or like generosity or like obedience and how about denying the flesh and taking up our cross and following him daily. I mean, all that stuff, if we would just be a little bit quicker. Anybody? Could you could you be a little faster? Listen, I I remember being a football player, and I was um, I was a big guy. Um, not that I'm very big right now, but uh, I was I was big, and I was I, I like I mean I was pretty muscular too. I mean there was a day, Kim, I, I remember one day you know we were up at Dugan. No, I'm not even gonna tell the story. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> she says don't tell that story. Anyway, I did take my shirt off, and she went whoa. Anyway, uh, so. <laughs> It's, hey, it's the same reaction now. I take her shirt off, she goes, whoa. <laughs> anyway, all, <laughs> I went there. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I lost my place. <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> Very much squirrel. Okay. Uh, like Abraham, instant obedience, instant obedience, instant obedience, that we would just move, move, move. God speaks, we go. God speaks, we go. Adhering to the Spirit, like the Apostle, who moved, like the apostle Paul, he moved and had his being in the Spirit of God. In him we live and move and have our being, right? I mean, we, we, to, to, to live that way, thanks be to God. Like Philip. How about Philip? Philip was so moved by the Spirit, he's running and he chases down a chariot. He gets the Ethiopian. The Ethiopian says, here's water. What's saving the water? What prevents me from being baptized? He baptizes him and boom! He's out of there. He moved so fast they couldn't see him and then he showed up in another place. He was translated. Anybody want that kind of living? Yes, please. Mostly when I'm on the freeway in traffic. (laughs) Like, Lord, just transport me to where I'm supposed to be and bring the car with it. Okay. So drawing closer, aligning with God's word, adhering to God's spirit with quicker responses. And how about adapting to Jesus' agenda? Jesus' agenda. You notice that Jesus was never interrupted? He's hanging out at the well, waiting for the brothers to show up. And here comes a gal. He says, Hey, fetch me a drink. I mean, it, it, it <laughs>